The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Wednesday, everybody. It is sunny. It is hot out here in Auburn and Opelika. Hopefully you are all doing good and uh, safe and everybody's okay after the nasty weather that came through uh, the state of Alabama yesterday and last night. Um, I checked with my family. Everybody's good to go. Everybody good on your end, Carter, oh, family-wise yeah, I mean, and weather? I, I talked to my my family this morning. I think they're they're all good, but uh, I tell you what, at about five thirty this morning, I woke up to an extremely loud thunder, like lightning and thunder strike, like outside of my house, mm-hmm. and it was the longest thunder I've ever heard in my life. It was like 15, 20 seconds long. I think so. I think it struck something and something blew up. Personally, could be because of how sustained and how long the like thunder explosion noise was. Yeah, well, I mean, it was it was nasty, right? And, and look, I said it yesterday, and anybody that has lived in Auburn for any significant amount of time, you know that when bad weather comes through, Auburn normally gets the tail end of it. But Auburn got some bad weather yesterday. Birmingham got hit really bad. Uh, obviously, like Tuscaloosa, North Alabama, they all got hit really bad as well. So hopefully you are all okay and all your family is okay anybody uh, and anywhere in the state of Alabama. That stuff doesn't bother me. Man, I sleep. I'm like a rock, man. When I go to sleep, once I get into my like deep REM sleep, whatever they call it, I'm out and I'm done. I mean, I like, am too. I am too. But this is all the more reason how crazy yeah. loud this oh, was. Oh, yeah. It was like right outside my window. Yeah, no doubt about it. It was, it was bad. But now, of course, in whatever world we live in, of course, it was cold last week and it was literally single digits. Then we get tornado, hurricane, whatever. And now it's like 70 degrees and bright and sunny outside with not a cloud in the sky. I don't get it, but hey, that's weather mm-hmm. in Alabama. But hope you're all doing well on this Wednesday afternoon. We have a lot to talk about on the show today. There will be a no shortage of content today. I can promise you that. We are going to start talking about some Auburn recruiting. Also, um, Jimbo Fisher made a very interesting hire at offensive coordinator today. So we'll talk about that a little bit as well. We have our question of the day. We'll get to that. We have Jordan hill of dogs 247 uh we have a lot to talk about with him because auburn plays georgia tonight in basketball we also have to talk to him about georgia making it to the national championship game again and get his thoughts on what will happen in the national championship game and then we'll talk some college basketball we have trey wallace coming on today he covers the sec for outkick uh he normally joins us on tuesdays we had to readjust a little bit no problem at all we'll have him on this afternoon at 3 30 get his thoughts on all the sec bowl games college football play off in basketball as conference play is underway so lots to go over today fun
phone lines are open. Anything you want to talk about, anything you want to jump in on that we are discussing, we'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. That number again, 334-321-1390. And Carter, you were talking about it as you were walking through the door. It's big recruiting right now for Auburn. There are guys on campus. There are guys coming to campus. Auburn football, they're putting in the work. Because the I think the recruiting period opened back up at least for transfer portal guys today and I think there's guys already on campus I think like this staff is moving very quickly uh I think this the next what 96 hours are going to be enormous for Auburn football especially in 2023 because you could have Spencer Sanders on campus the Oklahoma State transfer quarterback maybe other quarterbacks enter the portal that Auburn has interest in uh in that time period as well you, uh, yes, Auburn missed on the Mississippi State running back Dylan Johnson, mm-hmm. um, who fascinated that, um, it's just interesting that if you remember when he announced he was transferring, um, he used the word that was used to, to describe him in the, uh, in that program soft. And, you know, it felt like, if you wanted to prove everybody wrong, you'd stay in the SEC against SEC defenses. Instead, he went out west. Exactly. Instead, he went to Washington. And like, which there's, there's nothing there's, wrong with Washington. Stuff I've heard about, like maybe he was thinking about going back to Mississippi State because I think he has a a young child that lives in the state of Mississippi. Well, going to Washington doesn't make to me doesn't make a lot of sense. Those states are you, not extremely are, close, unless you are looking to just put up numbers mm-hmm. against less physical athletic defenses out on the west coast could be um the offensive line there are so many people that i feel like are going to be on campus over the next couple of days you already know like you've got positions like tight end lockdown with R- rivaldo fairweather but guys like ethan white uh marcellus johnson marcellus johnson is on campus i think right now uh micah M- mascua it might be. I thought it was Mazuka, and I think it may be a typo on on this site that I'm looking at. I thought it was M- Mazuka. I well, I've know. seen it a couple times, the, but the, it's the Baylor guard who mm-hmm. is one of the better guards in the portal right now. Uh, Marcellus Johnson, Johnson, the Eastern Michigan guard, one of the better guards um, out there right now. Another one to keep an eye on, Matt Lee, the UCF center, hit the portal this morning. I, I've um, got one, the Western Kentucky offensive tackle. He will be here as well, Gunnar Britton. And the days uh, the days are, transfers are allowed to visit from January 4th, which is today, through January 8th. So they've got a five-day window to visit wherever they want to go. So, yeah, there's another guy. Another uh, He's Damian the number George. five transfer offensive tackle. Damian George, the Alabama offensive tackle that is in the portal right now. He's on campus right now as well, I believe. Like, this staff, it's like the, the, the gates were opened for visits to start again, and they just started funneling offensive linemen on campus. Well, you remember when signing day happened, right? And Auburn signed a bunch of offensive and defensive linemen, and everybody was really, really excited, right? And we talked about how that was important because Auburn didn't go after a ton of those uh, quote-unquote skill guys or you know receivers or athletes or whatever you want to call it right Auburn didn't go after a ton of those they went after offensive and defensive linemen in high school 
But those guys are not more than likely going to come in and be immediate starters. A couple of them will. But Auburn, especially on the offensive line, now that they went and built a really, really good high school class of offensive and defensive linemen, now they're going to the transfer portal and they're going to go get some guys that are experienced, know what they're doing, and don't have to be taught who could come in and start immediately in 2023 so then the guys you just recruited out of high school can build up, get better, get some experience, and not be thrown into the absolute fire like we've seen over the past three, four, five years with Auburn football. Yeah. That is what Auburn's doing right now with the transfer portal. Will they get them all? No. Will they get some? I think they will. And Auburn fans should be pretty happy with the effort again from Hugh Freeze and, and company. Yeah, I mean, I think that this this... This transfer portal class, I'm very optimistic now with with the way that I'm feeling, the way that from talking to people, um, I think things are going to shape up a lot better than maybe we thought a week ago. I think the offensive line is going to be completely revamped. I think you're going to get a quarterback. There are some rumblings at one point that maybe Auburn would get two transfer quarterbacks. I'm not sure that's going to happen, but I'm very confident Auburn is going to get one. Um, if you look at, I mean, Jeffrey Lee on on three or on Auburn Live on on three, he has a transfer portal tracker. Well, we know Auburn has a wide receivers coach, and we I don't even think we've we've had the opportunity to Mm-mm. talk about this. No, really. we haven't. So, so we, we we can talk about that at some point. So Marcus Davis, new wide receiver coach, former Auburn player, the transfer portal tracker list. Since he's been hired at wide receiver, went from uh, Dante Thornton, who we know mm-hmm. what they were after, he was already on campus, uh, Caden Prather, or Prather, who was already offered. I don't know if he's been on campus. I don't think he has been. It was just two guys. Now it's seven. It's seven, and it's growing by the minute because I think uh, Georgia State just had a very high-level receiver. A guy, I think a 1,200-yard receiver just mm-hmm. hit the portal today. Um, and he's a LaGrange, Georgia native. He is. So you would yeah. think Auburn could get involved there. No doubt. But names are popping up at wide receiver. You have to be encouraged by that. The list at Garden Center is so long right now. There's so many names. Uh, and I'm very fascinated to see how that shapes up. I would expect Auburn to go get two or three interior offensive linemen. One that for sure, like, the expectation is day one, come in, start at center, and give Connor Liu time to develop. Because mm-hmm. Con- Connor Liu right now, if we're being honest, probably a little raw, needs a little bit of time to to develop. I think he could start if you had to. If you had to. I, I, I think if, if you were to ask me right now, um, kind of gun to my head, make a decision – on Tate Johnson or Connor Liu or Jaleel Irvin, who starts at center next year, I might say Connor Liu. Um, because he we already know he's bigger than Tate Johnson. He's 280 pounds. Tate Johnson's 270, 275. And we saw how that affected Tate Johnson when he was playing the center mm-hmm. position this past year. But I think getting somebody, getting a, a high-level, one-year mercenary kind of guy at center could give Connor Liu the time to develop to be a three, four-year starter at Auburn after, or a two, two to four-year starter, the years following, I think Connor no Liu is going to be a guy and be an absolute dog on the offensive line. I think he he will. I'll, I'll make a statement here. Uh oh, 
Connor Lou will be the best center Auburn has had since Reese DeSmukes when it's all said and done in his armor career. Wow. Wow. So about a decade. Yeah. I think he's going to be that good. The potential's there. There's no doubt about it. The talent is there and the potential is there for guys like Connor Lou and guys around him as well, not just on the offensive line, but other positions. And here is what Auburn has struggled with over the years. Yes, they have struggled getting the amount of talent that they've needed, right? But Auburn has gone and gotten players over the past, let's say, 10 years, right? Over the past 10 years, Auburn has gone and they've gotten some talent, they've gotten some big names, and they've gotten some impact players. But the problem is Auburn has not gotten enough and Auburn has not developed guys enough to where when you go and get that big four or five star guy out of high school, the problem is he's having to come in and start immediately which is throwing him into the fire in the SEC. That's okay to do in the Pac-12. That's okay to do in the in the ACC at times. That's okay to do in group of five football. In mm-hmm. big power five games and conferences and leagues, the good teams don't do that unless the guy is an absolute superstar, which some guys just are. But if you're able to bring that four or five star in, let him develop and kind of ease into his role, and then when he finally gets on the field, he's actually ready to go yeah. for SEC football, that's what makes good teams great. And Auburn has not been able to do that. But now, especially, that's what Hugh Freeze is trying to do. Especially on the offensive line. Especially because on that, the offensive that, that line. position group generally takes the longest amount of time yeah. to, to develop. And think we about can, if they get we put can, in. We can talk about some of the other positions that right now are are practicing at high school um, All-American games yeah. that apparently are looking daggum good, one of which is looking enormous compared to what we thought he was mm-hmm. going to be. But... Uh, Yes, getting getting guys who can kind of serve as stop gaps to let the offensive line, the young offensive linemen develop, and then maybe in the next couple classes you can go get really high level blue chip caliber guys. Mm-hmm. That is something I'm very excited about. And uh, I mean, look, LSU this year is an exception, not the rule where they had two true two true freshman offensive tackles anchor that offensive line. That doesn't happen. That doesn't happen anywhere ever. Very rarely do you get two true freshmen. And it, generally when you do, I mean, you're like a Alabama or Georgia, and right. you've got two of the top four or five offensive tackles in the country, two five-star guys walking in the door, mm-hmm. and you had a serious hole there or something, and you just had like absolute athletic freaks at tackle maybe then but you in modern college football power five college football freshman offensive tackles don't walk in the door and start so and that goes for really the entire offensive line maybe it's a little bit easier to find early playing time at guard maybe uh maybe center too but i think it is very wise for auburn to go out and say okay right now as it stands you have Dylan Wade, the the two, the Tulsa transfer offensive tackle. You have um, Isavian Miller, the number one junior college offensive tackle in the country. So you've got two of your five coming in, two of your starting five. Let's just let's just say it that way right now. Uh, could you bring in guys that could start over them? I guess theoretically, but right now you feel good about those. I think you saw enough out of Jeremiah Wright 
to feel confident he's a starting guard That's at fair. Auburn in 2023, whether yeah. it be left guard or right guard. He's got that mean nastiness to him you want out of an offensive lineman. He is he is going to uh, – he'll toss you out, out, out of the club, as they say. Yeah. He will pick you up, he'll put you in the dirt, and then he'll tell you about it. Yeah. Uh, and Which I is wh- how you have to be in the SEC. Some of it he's going to have to rein in because there were yeah. some moments where he got some personal foul penalties for absolutely mauling dudes a little bit after the wo- And maybe the wo- having a head coach that will discipline somebody will fix that. <laughs> yeah. But, I, I. by the way, another thing I want to mention, everything I've heard about Jake Thornton, the offensive line coach, been is fantastic. unbelievable. Been fantastic. Relentless recruiter. I think he might sneaky be the best recruiter on the staff when it's all said and done. Give him this this twenty four cycle, we might be ranting and raving about how amazing he is. But this offensive line, you've got three positions you could say are nailed down. You got to go get a couple more. You you got to go fill out the five, and you probably got to go get maybe three or four more guys so you can have some quality depth behind the starting five, which we know is just so important in the SEC. That's what makes teams and programs like Alabama and Georgia do what they do is having depth at every position but especially the offensive line let's get to our first break here in our number one go ahead and give you question of the day how are you feeling about Auburn recruiting right now as the four-day window is opened back up for transfer portal guys who do you want Auburn to go after and how are you feeling about the effort of Hugh Freeze and this staff give us a call 334-321-1390 we'll answer it when we come back here on the Tuesday edition or the Wednesday edition excuse me of on the line you are on the line on ESPN 1067 Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Question of the day here on the Wednesday, not Tuesday, the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7 asking and really talking about how we feel right now about the effort that Hugh Freeze and the staff. That's really important. It's not just Hugh Freeze. This staff has done a fantastic job, but we'd love to hear from you, our listeners. 334-321-1390. That number again, 334-321-1390. How are you feeling right now about the effort in recruiting and the transfer portal? Because that all goes into one in my book. How are you feeling right now about it? Let us know. 334-321-1390. Carter, we've sort of talked about it a little bit, but the effort cannot go unnoticed and it's it's so it's so much and so big and i don't know if it's so noticeable because it was so unnoticeable in the last regime or are they really just out there kicking everybody's butt when it comes to effort in recruiting a transfer portal right maybe a little bit of both but it cannot go unnoticed and untalked about these guys Hugh Freeze and company are putting in the work right now yeah Absolutely, and I and I think that uh, over the the quiet and dead period where they weren't allowed to like recruit or like have any contact with anybody, I think uh, Hugh and the staff recharged the batteries. Um, Hugh and I the think, boys. <laughs> I think I think Hugh probably got a couple rounds of golf in, and then they have hit the ground running today. Hit the ground running. I tell you what, what would what would impress me the most in terms of. How quickly can you can you get in the picture on somebody? We talked about during the break. Uh, 
Jamari Thrash, mm-hmm. the, the Georgia State receiver who hit the portal this morning, who, by the way, if you go look at his game logs from last year, he's a stud. He put up decent numbers against Power 5 teams, but he had a 200-yard performance against Charlotte, and then he finished the season with a 164-yard game, a 136-yard game, and a touchdown, and a 167-yard game and a touchdown. That's how he finished the season. If they can find a way to get him on campus mm-hmm. and get in the picture there, because it feels like a lot of things should be in your favor as far as proximity to home and things like that. That's going and getting a skill position guy that Auburn needs at receiver. They need a dude and right I, now. I think you freeze and and company and I think Marcus Davis I think they know they need to go upgrade at receiver I think that Camden Brown's I think that there is a lot of talent in that room a lot of young talent Camden Brown Jay Fair Amari Kelly uh, Koi Moore's back uh, Javarius Johnson is back they're good building blocks there especially those really young guys like I think Camden Brown when it's all said and done he's going to be an absolute dude at mm-hmm. all because he's physically big and strong and athletic and I think that those are traits that you, I mean, you can't coach those traits. Uh, Marcus Davis, who everywhere he's been, production has jumped in the receivers' room significantly. I think that's a to steal a common phrase for offensive line. Gander Brown's a really great piece of clay that Marcus Davis can mold into a stud receiver. But I think you need guys right now. You need somebody who can step into that room and has that dog mentality. I am the guy. I am the number one. Like uh, if you remember somebody, somebody who can sit in that meeting room and has the experience, um, the talent, the athleticism, but then the leadership qualities too. If you remember back when um, the Cleveland Browns had hard knocks. When when they had, um, why am I drawing a blank on um, the guy that played at LSU that was on the Browns for years and is now on the Saints? Oh, oh, you know what I'm talking about? Oh, not, not Odell. No, that's gonna bother me. It's 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 killing me. That's but, gonna really um, bother me. Hold on. He keep talking. He stepped up in that meeting room, and when you give me the name, it'll help a lot. I can see his face. Jarvis Landry. Yeah, Jarvis Landry. Uh, Jarvis Landry stepped up in that room. And you see him challenge everybody in that room mm-hmm. because he had that leadership quality and he had that production in Miami. Granted, like, I mean, his career since going to the Browns maybe hasn't been what it was before. Right. He's still a good player, but he had that leadership mentality, that dog mentality, that grinder mentality to, to he had stand that, up in the, front of guys and say, hey, this ain't good enough. Yeah. You have to be better. I would love to go find somebody like that. And then can back it up with his performance, mm-hmm. right? That That is really important as well because you can go out and find guys that will talk like that, right, in the room, and you'll have guys that are leaders and will know and just think that they are the it, right? Like they think they've got it and they're better than anybody else, not in a bad way, but then they don't back it up on the field, that's not what you're looking for. You're looking for both. And I think this guy from Georgia State could be that dude because you've seen him do it on the field at a smaller level, no doubt about it. But Auburn needs a guy like that because, again, we just mentioned it a little bit ago that in recruiting on signing day, 
there were some Auburn fans that called into our show, right? And they were they were excited about what the who the guys that Auburn went after on both of the offensive and defensive lines. They were excited to see that, but there were some fans concerned mm-hmm. about the lack of skill players, right? Receivers and DBs and running backs or whatever, right? There was a little bit of concern there. But we know that they're going to the portal to do those things right now. They'll get those guys in recruiting down the road. But right now they're going into the portal to find those guys. And this guy is it for sure. Yeah. And and I tell you what, I just I think this portal class for Auburn is going to be better than we think. And I think. The offensive line and the quarterback, when those are in place, those are the lightning rods that will help other things fall in place. Defensive line's got, got to come along, by the way. Uh, it, it does. You, you've got to add players there, which I don't know if you, you kept up with this. Uh, linebacker transfer portal mm-hmm. starting to heat up. There's yep. several names. Uh, which we in, know Auburn needs some help. Yeah, I mean, Deuce Spurlock at Michigan, a guy Auburn was after last year that maybe if Hugh Freeze has been at Auburn, they, they land. Demario Tolan at LSU, a four-star guy, another guy that Auburn almost landed, um, and he was—he they almost flipped him last year under Brian Harson. So I would imagine if Ron Roberts, if Josh Aldridge like him and think he fits in the scheme, they'll get involved with him, and I think that Auburn could be one of the favorites to land a guy like that. I think this is going to come come together very, very, very well. We're 30 minutes into our number one. When we come back, we'll have Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 talking all things Georgia basketball as Auburn plays them tonight on the road. We'll talk Georgia football in the national championship game. All coming up here on On the Line. You are on the line with Jacob Goetz. And Carter Bird on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes into our number one here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you inside the studio here at ESPN 106.7, welcoming our usual Wednesday afternoon guest. It's Jordan Hill of Dogs 247. First of all, Jordan, I uh, uh, hope your Christmas was well. Happy New Year to you, man. Hey, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year to you too, Jacob. And yeah, it was good. It was busy, uh, kind of about some back and forth with football and basketball, but it was a fun time and had a little bit of time to spend with family, which was really nice. Yeah, well, I know you've had uh, a couple of events to cover over the last week or so, so we'll jump right into it. We'll start with football, then we'll get to uh, some basketball that, of course, Auburn and Georgia face off tonight over in Athens, so we'll get to that in just a minute. But Georgia... They beat Ohio State in the college football playoff after one historic game. We got another one with the Bulldogs and the Buckeyes. Georgia beats Ohio State 42-41. to Jordan, just your, your breakdown and reaction to what was one of the best games we've seen in the college football playoff all season long and really is in its history of being a thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was a great game. I mean, Georgia had its back against the wall. Ended up scoring 18 points in the fourth quarter, and it's one of those situations where it took pretty much every play to win that game, and, and obviously it came down to one of the last plays with the 50-yard field goal that uh, that Ohio State misses. Um, it was one of those games where Georgia, I thought, was going to be out of contention. You know, they really struggled to stop Marvin Harrison Jr. the entire 
wide receiver core for Ohio State, which we'd heard a lot about, and rightfully so. And C.J. Stroud played a fantastic game. I mean, uh, it's one of those things you, you, I really do as a as a viewer, as someone watching that game, I do feel bad for Ohio State's players, particularly on offense, because they played a fantastic game. But credit to Stetson Bennett, credit for the Bulldogs for how they were able to finish that thing. And you know, something I wrote about after the fact, it, it truly is a game of inches sometimes, and you saw that with some of the things that played out. You know, with Brock Bowers getting the fourth down when he was initially ruled short. Uh, Kirby Smart really aptly calling a timeout on what would have been a fake punt. I mean, if they don't give him that timeout, that's a huge momentum change. And Javon Bullard breaking up a play in the back of the end zone with Marvin Harrison Jr. And unfortunately, Marvin Harrison Jr. got hurt on that play, but heads up play to break up that pass to force a field goal. Um, it, it pretty much took all those little moments for Georgia to survive that one. And it was an instant classic, and I think Georgia fans and, and Georgia players as well know that they were really lucky to win that one because it's very – uh, clearly could have gone either way. What does it say about this Georgia team that they get down by, what, 14 a couple different times in that game and are able to kind of scrap and claw their way back to a one-point victory? What does it say about their ability to overcome adversity? We really haven't seen this Georgia team have to chase anybody all year, and they were able to prove it on such a big stage. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a case where you saw that team did not panic. And not only did the team not panic, neither did the coaches. I mean, um, I was really critical of their decision to kick a field goal down 14. I think there was like 10 and a half minutes left. And, and you're sitting there, sort of sitting there going, why are they kicking a field goal? They have not been able to stop Ohio State. But it, it came down to Kirby Smart and that coaches have had confidence in their defense to get stops. And, and as much as that had not happened to that point in the game, they trusted that the best route to take was to kick that field goal. and wound up paying off. You know, they, they get those stops late. Um, they made enough plays defensively. I'm sure that film study this week coming off of that game was probably not pretty at times. But, again, it's a, it's a team that's been there before uh, that uh, doesn't have a ton of come-from-behind victories under its belt, but has come across adversity along the way and. I think a lot of credit is due to the coaches and the players alike for not panicking in that situation and just finding a way to win it. Jordan, something that you had talked about last time we talked to you about the the SEC championship game. Of course, the second half is when LSU really picked apart the Georgia secondary. It was something that uh, a lot of people were making some concern and some noise about was that Georgia secondary. Well, we saw Ohio State do the exact same thing. C.J. Stroud was able to pretty much do whatever he wanted to do. What does Georgia need to do? What adjustments do they need to make from in the secondary because they're going up against another high-powered offense in TCU? You know, I think it is fair to, to give credit to Ohio State with just how dangerous their passing game is and their wide receivers. And, you know, I think TCU is really gifted, but probably not quite to that level. And, you know, I think that Ohio State did a very good job of exploiting some of the youth in Georgia's secondary. I mean, namely, true freshman Malachi Starks, who's had a lot of big plays, but he struggled. I mean, he got caught out of position several times against Ohio State, and C.J. Stroud took advantage of it. Now you come into a game where, you know, C.J. Stroud did run a good bit in that game, but what really noted for it, you come into this game with Max Duggan, you understand he is a willing runner and is going to try to make that a big part of his game. So, uh, it is going to be dangerous as far as the way TCU attacks. Um, I think that, you know, with the time allotted, that they're going to focus really with that secondary, just trying to shore things up, trying to make sure that we talked to Javon Bullard, 
yesterday, and he talked about communication being a big thing. And that was a, kind of an issue. There was at one point in that game, on, well, why not being a defensive pass interference on Javon? He's really he's throwing his hands up. He's trying to figure out the coverage, and, and he and Chris Smith kind of had mixed signals and uh, ended up being a DPI. So I think communication is going to be huge going into this game because, again, you come into a game like this, the margin for error, especially in the backside of your defense, I guess a whole lot smaller than it would be in a typical game. Jordan, in this game versus Ohio State, we saw a couple Ohio State receivers have enormous games. Marvin Harrison Jr. and Egbuka both go over 100 yards. How did you? What did you think about their performance and and just how dangerous they were? And then, uh, do you see maybe that game going the other way if Marvin Harrison Jr. Jr. plays all four quarters? Yeah, I mean, it's one of those hypotheticals that you can't help but wonder. And I do think it's a fair one. I mean, I think if Marvin Harrison Jr. doesn't get hurt, he's probably the offensive MVP of that game. And it is honestly a shame for him to have gotten hurt on that play and left the game. I mean, he he put on a show. I think that it's fair to say he was probably the best player on the field for either side. I mean, he he put on a very good performance and put his team in position to win. And I thought Ohio State did a really good job of making the most of their receivers, putting them in positions to make plays. I think about Egbuka's touchdown. I think it was about a 10-yard touchdown in the second half. But they have the entire offense moving left. He comes back right, and, and they're just it's a foot race, and he's going to win that one. So, yeah, I was very impressed with their wide receivers. I thought they lived up to the hype. And, again, it's one of those things that's unfortunate because you can't help but wonder what if you're, if you're an Ohio State fan. But, um, man, they, they really, really impressed me with how they were able to play in that one. Speaking with Jordan Hill of Dogs 247, he joins us every Wednesday here on On the Line. Let's transition into basketball because not only is SEC play getting going and not only does Georgia play tonight, not only does Auburn play tonight, they play each other tonight over in Athens at, uh, let's see, 5.30 Central Time on on the SEC Network. Auburn favored by 7.5. ESPN's matchup predictor has Auburn as a 66% chance to win. Auburn sitting at 11-2, Georgia at 10-3. Before we get into the matchup against these two teams, what can you tell people about this Georgia basketball team at 10-3 if they haven't been watching the Bulldogs the last couple of weeks? Well, I think they've gotten off to a really strong start under Mike White. This is only the fourth time in program history that Georgia has won double-digit games before New Year's. So, really strong start in year one. Um, I think that they've done a very good job. Mike White has really built this thing off of defense, and it showed up. And it seems like they're getting more of in a rhythm for what they want to do offensively. Kind of got three-point happy for a bit in uh, late November, and then you kind of see them settle in with, Really trying to attack the basket and be able to score more consistently that way. So it's a really fun team. I mean, as someone just watching this team, you know, I'm not convinced it's going to be a tournament team or anything like that. But given it's year one and given where this program was last year, only winning six games as a whole, uh, it's definitely a nice sort of laying of the foundation for this program for what Mike White wants to build. And again, sort of the baseline is they're a fun team to watch. So obviously for for everybody, as we get into SEC play, the competition level uh, ratchets up. How do you see this Georgia team that has had a few tests with Georgia Tech, Notre Dame, uh, a good UAB team, Wake Forest, how do you see them holding up over the course of the entire SEC schedule? 
You know, I think that they've got a, a pretty talented team. Uh, you know, before the season, I think I pegged them like 10th or 11th in the conference. And to me, just based on what I've seen to this point in the year, it's going to be about their big. I mean, Braylon Bridges and then Oklahoma State transfer Matthew Alexander Moncrief. Yeah, this is not a very big team. This is not a very tall team when it comes to Georgia. And I think it, it kind of helps as far as getting a read on this Georgia team that they start with Auburn. I mean, you think about Auburn's size, the way they can attack, especially the way they attack the glass. I think we're going to get a good read on how Georgia can play teams in the SEC and, and if they can hang with these teams. I, I think my biggest concern is just can Georgia consistently rebound? Um, you know, something that has been an issue with this team, um, has been turnovers, but one of their strong points has been defensive rebounding. But um, tonight will give us a really good sense of if they can hold up rebounding against uh, SEC competition, especially in nights like tonight when the other lineups got a pretty significant size advantage. Jordan, this is a two-part question here. A, how much of an impact will it have that Auburn has already played an SEC game against Florida and won that game, and Georgia has not played an SEC game yet? This will be their opener in the conference. And then B, how much of an impact will it have that Georgia is at home playing over in Athens rather than having to travel to Neville Arena? Well, I think the first uh, point, I do think that it probably helps Auburn that they've been tested having to go up against Florida and having to go up against a guy like Colin Castleton. I mean, I think that they showed that they could – uh, hang with a team like that and obviously did enough to win that game. And then on the other front, I'm really interested to see what this crowd looks like because at times the uh, Stegman Coliseum has had really nice crowds. Um, and I think that was the case last February when Auburn came there and as a number one team and nearly lost to um, what was really a struggling Georgia team. So I think there is some uh, excitement about Georgia coming into this game. You know, again, they are 0-0 in SEC play. I think people are excited to see what this team does. But we also know that Auburn tends to travel well. And, um, you know, the fact this game is in Georgia, obviously a lot of Auburn fans in the state. Very curious just to see what this sort of breakdown looks like because uh, I am expecting to see a good bit of uh, Auburn fans in attendance tonight. So, Jordan, I guess to to two-part question here. Uh what does Georgia have to do to pull the upset in this game tonight? And then also, how do Georgia fans feel about Katie Johnson? <laughs> uh, so starting with the first question, I think it just comes down to rebound, and they just cannot be pushed around on the glass. And that was sort of a concern of mine coming into the month of December. Uh, Georgia's guards have played really well. I've been impressed with Terry Roberts, who's a Bradley transfer, and and also Kerry Oquindo, who came back from last year's team. But I just kept saying I need to see something from these forwards. I need to see these guys step up to think that, you know, this team might be relevant in SEC play this year. And to their credit, guys stepped up. Braylon Bridges was the SEC player of the week after they played Notre Dame, and he went a perfect 9 of 9 from the floor, a really strong performance. And then M.A. Moncrief has played well as well. So I think think those guys have to be really physical. You know, we talked to – Braylon Bridges uh, on Tuesday, and he really talked about physicality being important. Uh, to me, that's the biggest thing, and then just cutting down on turnovers because that's been an issue throughout uh, this season. I think they've kind of become uh, gotten to the point where they've started valuing the basketball more, but you know, Auburn's going to be aggressive and go after them. And, and on Katie Johnson, you know, I think it's interesting. I think that uh, I'm sure that there was bad blood in him leaving Georgia for Auburn, but you know, as you look at the end of the Tom Crean era, there, there was a lot of that. Severe Wheeler, uh, several other players had gone on and 
kind of restarted elsewhere. So I'm, I'm sure there are some Georgia fans that won't exactly be excited to see KD back, but I think a lot of people understand the way that program was trending under Cream, the, the fact so many people left. Um, you know, for the most part, those guys who left, I, I do think they found themselves in better situations. Jordan Hill of Dogs 2470 joins us every Wednesday here on the show. Your prediction, we'll go back to football real quick before we let you get out of here because we will not talk to you between now and the national championship game. Who wins on Monday night and why? I'm saying Georgia wins 31-21. I do think that it's going to be a pretty good game. and I just think that Georgia's been on this stage before. I think that Georgia understands the expectations and just sort of the moment. And I'm very impressed with TCU. I don't think some of the reads people have had on this game of saying, Georgia will be able to come in here and just name and score. I just don't see that happening. they got too much talent. And this is a team that you can't put away. I mean, they have had so many come-from-behind wins and efforts that have been really impressive. So I'm saying Georgia at 31-21. But I'm expecting a really exciting game, a really exciting game in SoFi Stadium on Monday night. If Stetson Bennett wins a second national championship in a row, is he the greatest quarterback in Georgia football history? Uh, no contest. I mean, he honestly may have it already. I mean, the, the conversation is probably Fran Tarkenton, uh, Aaron Murray. I mean, his resume as far as the Georgia quarterbacks is pretty secured. The question really becomes, is he the greatest Georgia Bulldog of all time? And, you know, there's a difference between wow. most talented and, and greatest. And I think he's got a good argument because I'd say second is probably Herschel. And uh, I mean, how, they did uh, win. How yeah. how how quickly before his statue goes up outside Sanford Stadium? That, that's a question for a lot of people. <laughs> right? I think I think it'll be a while. I think he's uh, he'll have played wherever he plays after Georgia, and probably wrapped up his playing career long before uh, we see the statue go up. Wow. Wow, greatest of could possibly be the greatest of all time in general at Georgia. That's a statement in itself, but there's no doubt he has done some incredible things and has made Georgia football uh, relevant and dominant yet again. Jordan Hill of Dogs 247, again, he joins us every Wednesday here on the show. Man, we appreciate you every single time coming on. Let everybody know where they can keep up with you and all your work because I know it's a busy time. Oh, absolutely. Dogs247.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Jordan Davis Hill and at Dogs247. So, Busy time, got the game tonight, and then flying out to L.A. tomorrow to get ready for those festivities. But uh, it's going to be a fun one, and uh, excited just to be along for the ride and see what happens with both teams. Well, man, have a safe trip out there. Enjoy covering the national championship game. We'll talk to you next week, all right? All right, sounds great, guys. Thanks. That is Jordan Hill of Dogs 247. Again, he joins us every Wednesday at 2.30 right here on On the Line. We appreciate him talking all things Georgia athletics. When we come back, we'll wrap up hour number one, start talking some Auburn basketball as they play Georgia tonight over in Athens. All coming up here on On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Wrapping up our number one here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you inside the studio at ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Big thank you to Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 for taking some time and talking with us as he does every Wednesday uh, about all things Georgia athletics. It's a busy time in Athens, of course. Uh, the football team traveling to California to take on TCU 
in the national championship game. Auburn basketball plays Georgia tonight in Athens, so that should be an exciting game. So Jordan will be covering that as well. If you don't follow his work, you absolutely should. Uh, Dogs247, he does fantastic stuff over with them. So we appreciate him and his time as always. But uh, Carter, what'd you think about him entering that Stetson Bennett, if he wins on Monday, he will not only be the greatest quarterback in Georgia history, he may go down as the greatest of all time in Georgia football history, period. Yeah, that's that's an interesting conversation just because there are a lot of big names that have come out of that school. I mean, most notably, uh, in my mind, Herschel Walker. Um, but, I mean, he'd have a claim. I mean... He, he would have done more than any other the, player. He's got the story... Um, which, by the way, I'm just I'm wait. Gonna, isn't I'm, he a walk on? Is that I'm right? gonna hate when that <laughs> when that movie is made when that when Disney Plus comes out with the <laughs> oh Stetson Bennett Disney movie. Oh, because you know it's coming. To you know it's college coming. to fourth string quarterback to two time national champion starter. Look, it's a great um, story, but man, it's a great story. They tell it I every time George is on TV. They tell it every single time. If you don't know that story by now, I don't know what to tell you. But yeah. look, there's an argument to be made there. There is. There's an argument to be made because if he wins on Monday, if Georgia wins on Monday, he will have won back-to-back national championships after Georgia did not win one for 40 years. And he comes in as the walk-on, all that stuff, that story plays into it, and he walks in and he wins back-to-back national championships, a Heisman Trophy finalist, all of that. I mean, you can't argue with rings, man. That's that's what makes the best the best and there's a lot of people that helped with that there's a lot of good offensive players that he's played with that defense last year was unbelievable we know all of those things but Georgia has had athletes in the past they've had good offensive players they've had good defenses and they have not won many national championships and Stetson Bennett is on the verge of doing it in back-to-back seasons that pretty much puts you in greatest of all time status over at Georgia in my book so I don't know if you put him in greatest of all time players but I think I mean there's definitely an argument to be made man and it's so crazy because he still gets hate right he still does and if you do that's fine we have a very popular caller on our show that does not like Stetson Bennett very much but you can't argue with wins and you can't argue with championships whether you think the guy's good or not he's winning games and he's about to win could win another championship on Monday yeah yeah and I mean I think that I think that George is going to handle it and get it done I think it's going to be uh, very easy for, for for them to be honest because I think your national championship game was Ohio State uh, Georgia I think that those two teams would have won the national championship regardless of winner like who, whichever one was going to beat the other team I think that's fair that's fair we'll talk about that a little bit more later in the week but coming up in hour number two we'll talk Auburn basketball as they play Georgia tonight we'll also talk to Trey Wallace who covers the SEC for Outkick all coming up in hour number two the following is an Auburn Network production Live on ESPN 1067, 
Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Sun is shining. It's a beautiful day. You wouldn't know it about 12 hours ago, but it is nice out there today. It even got a little warm out there. So uh, hopefully you're all doing well and been, been safe from all the weather and everything that's been going on here in the Auburn Opelika area. Hour number one officially in the books. You know what that means. Hour number two is officially underway right here on the Auburn Opelika Sports Leader ESPN 106.7. If you missed any of the first hour, you can find it commercial free wherever you get your podcast. Just search on the line again, wherever you get your podcast or at ESPNAU.com. You can find it in the podcast center commercial free right after the show. So be sure you go and do that. If you missed any of the first hour, Uh, we talked to Auburn football recruiting. We talked a lot about that. And then we talked with Jordan Hill of Dogs 247. Uh, We talked to him about the Bulldogs beating Ohio State in the playoff in a legendary game and how they are uh, battling TCU he gave his prediction we also asked him about Stetson Bennett possibly being the greatest quarterback of all time in Georgia football history and he gave his answer on that as well so if you missed any of that uh, be sure to go and catch up in the podcast it was great we also talked a little basketball because Auburn plays Georgia tonight and we are going to get into that in just a moment but phone lines are open here in hour number two we'd love to hear from you anything on your mind in the sports world anything we're talking about Anything we haven't talked about that you want to talk about, give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. That number again is 334-321-1390. And Carter, Auburn plays tonight in basketball. They're 1-0 in SEC play. They go on the road for the first time in conference play this season. They take an 11-2 record to 10-3 Georgia. Auburn favored by 7.5. Money line is heavy Auburn. It's minus 340. Over under uh, the total is 136.5. Auburn given a about a 67% chance to win this game tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, just initially, your feeling about what's your confidence level, I guess, going into tonight's game at Georgia? Well, I think that, I mean, at the very least, I think you're going to get a an energized um, Katie Johnson <laughs> because it is a personal game for him. I think every time that he is plays that a Georgia, good thing? Well, he played well last year, if you recall. He did. Wendell and Katie had to step up and be huge because you were without Zep. Because Zep had, mm-hmm. I believe, strep throat or something I, like I that. Think I think so. it was strep throat. Um, but I think that those two um, might might step up again on the road. Uh, I think it's an opportunity for them to get back on track. Uh, Wendell hasn't been. I guess truly, I guess off track, but it would—it's a chance for him to. Uh, I, I'd like to see his three-point shot start to wake up a little bit. Um, I think Auburn has to dominate this game down low. Uh, Jalen Williams, Janai Broom, uh, Chris Moore, kind of playing that like wing, I almost like hybrid four role mm-hmm. because he is. I mean, he's a broad dude and he's a strong dude. Um, I know he's probably undersized for somebody down low, but I think he can do that. Um, I want to see Auburn dominate the glass, and I want to see Auburn get second-chance opportunities because Auburn's not the best shooting team ever. 
Really? Um, <laughs> yeah. And so I'm hoping. I didn't mean that. Sorry, I didn't mean that like a, a smart way. I was just trying to be funny. But no, you're right. I mean, Auburn. Auburn is not a good shooting team, and rebounding is something that Jordan Hill talked about. Right? It's something that he going into tonight's game, he had concerns about Georgia rebounding the basketball because Auburn has a pretty big advantage underneath size-wise. And if Janai Broom, who we talked about yesterday, right, Carter? We talked about how Janai Broom has really started to find himself a little bit. Tonight could be a night for Janai Broom to have a big double-double, in my opinion. I think tonight could be a night where Janai Broom goes for 20 and 10, 2015, possibly, if he just puts his head down and just goes to work tonight. I think that could be possible. Not saying it happens, yeah. but tonight is a really good chance for Janai Broom to really dominate on both ends of the floor. I, I will say um, there is one player that very much worries me on Georgia's team and that's Cario Okendo mm-hmm. who I feel like every time he plays Auburn dude is so good and he just goes is off. so impressive oh uh it doesn't it feel interesting that there's always I feel like I feel like a guy or two on really a guy on every SEC team that it feels like they have the best game of their lives they turn into they turn Auburn. into like Michael Jordan when they play Auburn like it's just it's crazy and Auburn is has had guys like that and it was a quinto last year with Georgia that torched Auburn now Auburn was still okay but he torched Auburn like heavily and so I think you're gonna need a good defensive performance tonight Georgia only averages like 25 points yeah five rebounds two assists and four steals last year and only one turnover that's that's so solid man that's so solid and Georgia only averages this year they only average like 71 points a game or something. So like they don't score a lot, but neither does Auburn. There's a reason that the total is only 136 because like we talked about, Auburn is not a good shooting team. They've been shooting a little bit better recently. Nothing crazy though. But you know how you boost up those shooting numbers? You feed it inside to guys like Janai Broom, Yoan Treor, and Chris Moore and let them go to work in the paint. That's what you, Jayla Williams, that is what you've got to do, I think, tonight. And then, again, work from the inside out. You have a size advantage over Georgia tonight. And by the way, in a year and a half, that is the second highest scoring performance of his career. Against Auburn. Shocker. Wow. Well, I mean, again, Auburn always has, there's always some dude, like you said, there's always some dude that goes off in an SEC game that Auburn's just like, we don't know how to stop this guy. So we'll see. I, I think tonight is is a really good opportunity for Auburn to pick up an SEC road win. Uh, I expect Auburn fans to show up to this game quite heavily. Um, I expect Georgia fans to be there, though, too, because Georgia is 10-3. and three which is pretty good for them coming into the new year. Um, none of their Three wins. Three of their four, um, well, two of their, I think they've lost two of their three high major games, mm-hmm. and then they lost to a good UAB team that yep. probably can and I think will win Conference USA. Right, and so you look at Georgia's resume, they don't really have any great wins, Um I mean, Notre Dame is solid. I think that's probably their best win. But like you said, their losses, the other two major games, major teams that they played, they lost. And then they also lost to that UAB team, like you said. So Georgia, I mean. Jelly Walker at UAB, why is he not at Auburn? Yeah. (laughs) He's averaging 25.2 points per game this year. He's balling out. He's a monster. Yeah. He's so good. He is so much fun to watch. He is is so much fun to watch, no doubt about it. But uh, again, with Georgia, it's like, 
you want you want to look at that 10 and 3 record and be like okay this is a solid basketball team but I just don't think we know what Georgia is until they play somebody like Auburn and you know what Auburn may make Georgia look better than they are or Auburn may go in here and just absolutely dominate these guys I think Auburn goes in and has a really good game tonight uh shooting wise I just don't know what you're going to get from this Auburn team but I look for guys like Trey Donaldson to get more minutes get more minutes to Trey Donaldson I cannot preach that enough man get him in the basketball game I wish he was starting I really do but get him in the game he has to be important tonight I think tonight needs to be feed Janai Broom the basketball I'm curious to see what the minutes at the three look like mm-hmm. going forward with the way with the way Alan Flanagan is struggling with the way Chris Moore is playing Chris Moore has been if Chris Moore hadn't improved to the degree that he has improved this year, Auburn would be in a boatload of trouble because Chance Westry's not there yet, coming off that injury, clearly. Confidence is an issue there. And so if Chris Moore wasn't playing at the level he was playing, Auburn would have an enormous hole at the three. Oh, yeah, I agree. And I think that Flanagan does not need to be playing – 20 something minutes I'm just going to be honest with you he doesn't need to be playing 20 minutes because when he's on the floor bad things happen more times than not and his minutes are not productive he was what minus nine the other night against Florida was that right minus seven or minus nine when he was on the floor like that's not cool man that's not good enough for Auburn to win SEC basketball games and you may be able to get away with it against mediocre teams like Florida and possibly Georgia we're going to find out tonight But when you play Arkansas on Saturday, you cannot afford to let Alan Flanagan play 20, 24 minutes and be negative production on the floor because this team for Auburn has not gotten to that point yet where you can afford to have that happen in big SEC games. So Mm -hmm. I think tonight, again, it's got to be Janai Broom. It's got to be Jayla Williams. I would love to see Treyor start to get something going on the road tonight. I think that would be really big too. And it comes down to your guard play again. Wendell Green, Zeb Jasper, Trey Donaldson, who needs more minutes. Those guys have to be productive. They've got to score. They have to shoot the ball well. They've got to dish it out and not turn it over. Those are things that have to happen tonight for Auburn to win at Georgia. Wendell Green needs to shoot it less. Zeb Jasper needs to shoot it more. Trey Donaldson needs to get more minutes. Are you seeing a trend there with that? That's what has to happen. And Katie Johnson needs to just chill out. (laughs) like just calm down a little bit and play some good basketball because he can be good when he just settles down a little bit right and so there's a lot of things that Auburn needs to fix I think they're fixable but they got to fix them I feel like Katie Johnson's like the the energizer bunny uh if his heartbeat was beating like 190 times per minute yeah the energizer bunny drank a red bull or something like (laughs) uh, that's literally how katie johnson plays and at times it's really really good right and especially at home when he gets that steal and that dunk or whatever and he gets the crowd going and he's stomping down the floor yelling like i don't even know but like that is awesome when he does that but then there's times where we talked about this yesterday when he's on defense and he's so hyped up and excited and he's all up on the on the ball handler and then they just go right around him. So you've got to find you got to find a balance with that. You want that energy, you want that effort and that momentum, but you have to find a balance to where you're not getting beat off the dribble defensively. So I like I like Katie Johnson a lot. He's not a starter. I'm glad he's on the bench. I think he's played better ish off the bench than he did as a starter, maybe. 
He has to play well tonight, but Auburn cannot rely on Katie Johnson to win you this basketball game tonight. So I look for, again, tonight needs to be feed Janai Broom. Feed Janai Broom the basketball. He can have a 20-10 and 10 type of game, in my opinion. Janai Broom can. Yeah. No, I, I think this is a game where it sets up for Janai Broom to have – this is the official, I think. I think the Florida game was kind of his breakout game because of what he did against Colin Castleton. But this is a game where like people might double take at the at the box score and say, Whoa, look at that guy. That guy's doing something something impressive at Auburn. I really hope that that he continues this trajectory that he has had since that West Coast trip. Because really, I'm telling you. Second half of the USC game, to me, is when the, the flip got switched and he started to figure out what is what is happening um, or what he needs to do to be successful at a high major school, at an SEC school, going against high-level centers because he's going to continue to see guys that are big, strong, athletic, and he's going to continue to have like he has to play tough. I don't think he started to figure that out. He had an amazing game against Washington. He played very well against Florida, and I want him to continue that trend because with the guards being as inefficient as they are, until they figure that out, this team relies on Jalen Williams. This team relies on Chris Moore, and this team relies on Janai Broom to get a lot done. And you you know my take on. On Jayla Williams, I think he's a great player. I think he's very athletic. He's a great go-to guy right now. But Auburn is not a championship team if Jayla Williams is your go-to leading scorer. I'm just going to be honest with you. That is that is my take. Is Auburn is not a national champion. They're not an SEC championship I mean, I, team. I, I don't think the if the, that's the case. The expectation is that this is a championship level team right now. This is a team that needs to finish in the top five of the SEC, a team that makes the tournament, and a team that wins a tournament game and might get a good matchup in the second round and maybe can make the Sweet 16. That's that's what I think the expectations need to be for this year's team. I'm with you. I think I think there's going to be significant roster shakeup this offseason. I think you're going to see a lot of guys who've been at Auburn for a while um, probably, whether it be graduating or going and looking for playing time elsewhere, Hit the transfer portal or leave or graduate and move on to professional basketball. Uh, Zeb Jasper, I'm pretty sure, can't come back again. I'm pretty sure. Pretty I don't know. Sure. He's like 25. Um, so, he, I mean, he's. But by the way, speaking of 25, you want to know that a crazy stat that I that I came across uh, during the Ohio State Georgia game? A massive light bulb just went off above your head, brother. Yes. So I did some research on this. You have Stetson Bennett, who's 25 years old. Mm-hmm. I didn't check up on it on who started in the NFL this past week at quarterback. Oh, I but saw But going this. into this weekend, 21 different quarterbacks in the NFL are as old, or, or, or Stetson Bennett is older, as old or older than 21 different quarterbacks in the NFL that have started a game this season. How crazy is that? Which means Stetson Bennett is a really old college quarterback. <laughs> like yes. he is very old, but he's still good. He's very old in age, I should say. But yes, I did see that. That is that is crazy, and I think it speaks to where both the NFL and college are. Where you have a lot of guys in college that stay for literally six years at a time. 
to play college football and you also have guys that play in the NFL that are really young so I think it speaks to where both of those pro or where both of those sports and games are right now in college and the NFL let's get to our first break here in our number one when we come back we'll talk some college basketball results from over the weekend and yesterday then at 3 30 we'll talk to Trey Wallace who covers the SEC for Outkick all that coming up here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Back here inside the studio at ESPN 1067 for the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Well, college basketball is in full swing as conference play has begun around the country of course Auburn is uh, getting their second conference game going tonight they play Georgia on the road that game at 5 30 on the SEC network but looking at some of the kind of standings and results of what's been going on around college basketball we'll start with last night where there were some really really good games and there there were some really big results in college basketball last night you had number three Kansas on the road at Texas Tech they come out and squeak out a three-point win where Texas Tech had a chance to win it at the end you had Kansas State put up 116 points on the number six team in the country Texas they did give up 103 but you still win so I guess uh, it doesn't it, matter it doesn't matter when you're scoring that many points that's ridiculous for a college basketball game I'm Kansas sorry State might be sneaky good for the first time mm. since what Michael Beasley yeah for a long time <laughs> so they're now 13 and 1 2 and 0 in conference play just took down the number 16 you know in the country helps, you know what helps when you shoot 60 percent from the floor and 54 percent from three and go to the line 33 times and hit 31 of them that'll do it that is as good of a shooting performance I've seen in college basketball this year yeah that's in the 116 points to you show for 60 it. shots You hit 36 of them, you had 24 threes, you hit 13 of them, and you go to the free throw line 33 times and you hit 31 of them for 93.9%. That's ridiculous, dude. That is absolutely insane. And you you out-rebound them by seven. Uh, I mean... They were unbelievable in this game. Yeah. This is amazing. Yeah, it was awesome. And, and it, I mean, again, 116 points in a college basketball game, pretty ridiculous. You had Alabama play last night against Ole Miss. They took care of business. That game was never really close, 84-62. Alabama's good, what, man. They are the best team in the SEC. Well, the number eight yeah. team in the country would like to have a word, Both Tennessee. Of them are very good. Because they absolutely blasted me. Mississippi State last night, did Tennessee, 87-53. to They went up like 17 nothing to start the ballgame and never looked back. Tennessee, really, really good. They're 12-2. and They've got a lot of talent. Uh, those were the biggest results as of last night. You look at the standings right now in the SEC and there are some really really good teams in this conference folks and Mississippi State's still really good so don't let that fool you Uh, they did get just hammered last night by Mississippi or by Tennessee but in the standings Carter do you know who the third team in the SEC is right now without looking I wouldn't have known this I wouldn't have guessed this is it Missouri it is it is Missouri it's Alabama Tennessee Missouri and then Auburn you know, what's, you know what's crazy in a different conference right now? Pitt's 4-0 in ACC play. They just beat Virginia last night. Yeah. Like, they're flying mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. That was when they beat Northwestern. I was like, oh, that's a really bad loss. Because at the time, they were like 180 in Kempom. Well, they, they're 
they're looking like a tournament team right now. What's Northwestern up to? What are they doing? Uh, they played the worst half of basketball on Sunday against Ohio State I've ever seen. Worse than how they played against Auburn? They were down 34-8 to eight in the first half. They ended up losing by, 17, by 16. Holy smokes! But they, but they started the game 2 of 24 from the field. Wow. That is not very good. You don't <laughs> That's say. not very good. Save a save a nine one run to end the half. Oh. It was the worst half of basketball. Oh, the worst shooting man. half of basketball I've ever seen. Wow. That is uh no bueno. So what you're saying is that win for Auburn's not looking great. I think it was just one of those like Albatross nights where like I think they maybe they didn't schedule well going directly into Big Ten play. Mm-hmm. They had a couple, like, they killed a bunch of bad teams and then had a really long layoff and then played Brown and kind of struggled with them. Mm-hmm. I don't think they they should have had a tough game there somewhere in that stretch to keep them primed and ready. I think they just got a little shock to the system. I think they'll be fine. We'll see. They play Illinois tonight. We we brought up Missouri, and speaking of Illinois, we brought up Missouri. And you remember when they were going into that game against Kansas, and we looked at their record, we looked at their schedule, and they had Kansas, UCF, a ranked Illinois team, and a ranked Kentucky team, and now they have Arkansas, and we said they may go one and four on that stretch. They're three and one so far with Arkansas coming up, brother. Missouri, yeah, they lost to Kansas in embarrassing fashion They're playing a shorthanded arkansas team too mm-hmm. i believe then they they turned around and they just grinded out a win against ucf by two points they embarrass illinois they beat them by 22 points dropped 93 on the number 16 team in the country then they turn around to do the same thing to kentucky and they beat them 89 to 75 so missouri has figured something out and like you said they play a shorthanded arkansas team on the road tonight Missouri has a chance to really boost their resume before they play some weaker SEC competition, Vanderbilt, Texas A&M, Florida. Then they turn around and play Arkansas again. Yeah, I, I, I tell you what, this um, – and good for Missouri in terms of like, – well, I mean, bad for Arkansas, and it's unfortunate, but it's a lucky draw for Missouri to draw Arkansas in this time period where um, – Nick Smith Jr., the latest update I can find was a week ago. He remains out indefinitely. Um, fortunate for Missouri and then potentially Auburn this weekend to to draw a an Arkansas team without its best and highest ceiling player mm-hmm. out there. Uh, we know that they're already down one of the five starters from a knee injury earlier. But uh, there's an opportunity for Missouri to continue this meteoric rise because they've been they've been awful for a while. Yeah, and they're off to a nice start. Kentucky gets a big win last night. They beat LSU 74-71. Uh, LSU still 12 and 2 in conference. Kentucky's 10 and 4. Obviously they had some tough losses in non-con play, but uh they better figure some things out because they've got Alabama and then in two games they have to play Tennessee. So they better figure it out. They also play Kansas in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. So Big Blue Nation uh, better figure some things out before they get into the heart of SEC play. We'll talk to Trey Wallace of who of uh, Outkick when we come back. He covers the SEC for them. We'll talk to him about some basketball and football as well. Stay tuned. You don't want to miss it. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. 
and Carter Bird on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 more minutes here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on the Auburn Opelika sports leader, ESPN 1067. Well, we usually have him on Tuesdays, but uh, we've got him on Wednesday now. It is Trey Wallace who covers the SEC for Outkick. We appreciate him and his time as always. Trey, man, hope you had a great Christmas and a happy new year. It was uh, it was good. It seems like it all just kind of riles into one mm-hmm. uh, nowadays. But it was a it was a good time, man, and uh, lots of lots of fun college football games and basketball games. And uh, man, twenty twenty three is already off to a fun start. It's crazy that it's already 2023, huh? It just seems like time is flying by. And just like that, bowl season is come and gone. As uh, we've seen a lot of bowl games, we saw a lot of SEC teams play in bowl games. So before we get to the college football playoff and the national championship game, let's talk about bowl season. Which teams surprised you? Which teams impressed you from the Southeastern Conference in bowl season? I mean, I don't, I don't know if... if... The, the the LSU game was wild to me. Like I, I thought, I mean, if Purdue without Aiden O'Connell, like I get it, the offense, but man, goodness gracious! I mean, they they go up and score fifty plus points uh, to to close out the year. Uh, you know, can can Garrett Nussmeyer? You know, that's a valuable a valuable tool that that LSU has in in, in the artillery. Um, you know, I, I I like him a lot. Um, I, I thought that. You know, when, when you get around the conference, you look at other games, like the Ole Miss game. I was like, you know, what in the world just happened? What did we watch uh, out of the Rebels? It, it did not seem like a team that was motivated uh, at all to be there. Uh, and, and then you have the stuff that follows, which, look, it, it's it's never good. Um, but, you know, you, you get around the conference and you look at other schools who, who have performed well. Um, that Arkansas-Kansas game, by the way, was just an absolute thriller. I mean, we've had some great games during bowl season, uh, but to, to, for Arkansas to, to blow something like that and then all of a sudden you know, they come back in the way that they won, just a crazy game. Um, and then how about, you know, how about Bryce Young? Uh, how, about, how about Alabama? I know a lot of people in that state, you know, have differing opinions, but I will say – it was good to see the young man go out on a high note and not get injured, and 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 now he can go on and go play for the Houston Texans or whoever else he <laughs> wants to deal with, and you know the SEC can not have to play Bryce Young anymore in the future. And um, so I, I just thought that was good. And you know, before the semis, guys, I mean, what Tennessee did, I think against Clemson, uh, showing that okay, maybe maybe Tennessee does have a quarterback for the future in, in, in Joe Milton, just the way that they were able to cap off their year. Because I see a lot of similarities between Tennessee and Auburn. Um, and, and so you, you look at what Tennessee did in that offense, and, um, you know, they, they missed Hendon Hooker. But what a nice performance for them to, to beat up on, on Dabo Sweeney and Clemson. And, uh, man, that, that led us right into the playoffs. And uh, the, the semifinal game in Georgia did not disappoint. Yeah, Trey, I guess uh, kind of two-part question here. Do you think Purdue fans had uh, kind of flashbacks to that bowl game a few years ago where Auburn did basically the same thing to them and then kind of looking at another SEC bowl game? What's becoming one of my favorite questions to ask, uh, how bad are the vibes in Oxford, Mississippi right now? 
So the first one, uh, Purdue fans, you know, you don't, you just don't expect that. It's like, you know, deja vu. It's like, wait a minute. Did we just go through this again recently with Auburn? Like, what's going on here? Like, what? <laughs> Why are we getting beat down by Tigers? So much? yeah, I, like, I, was just, I think I think Auburn figured uh, out on the first drive that Darius Slayton could just run faster than every DB on Purdue's team, and just decided to just run run vertical routes with him and throw it deep. Yeah, well, you see how bad Purdue's defense was. I mean, they won last year against Tennessee in their bowl game because their offense was so good, in mm-hmm. my opinion, with Aiden O'Connell at quarterback. But yeah, no, for Purdue. They would probably like to get to a bowl game next year, but they're not having to play in SEC school, mainly with a Tigers mascot. Um, I, I look at, you know, the the other part of, of, of how we we look at the college football season, even when it comes to the, the playoffs. And before we get to the playoffs, you were kind of cutting off. What was the second part that you asked? Oh, he had asked about uh, the, the vibes in Oxford, Mississippi with the yeah, bowl game. So, so not good. Okay, just just not good. And, and talking with some folks around there, you know, wondering how it went wrong, why it went wrong, why do they end the season on this type of losing streak? You know, you you see the players that have left and declared. You see the players that are that are staying at the school. Like, there's just mixed emotions right now in 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 Oxford, and they don't know. You know, should we be excited about next year? Uh, should we be you know, trepid about, okay, do we hold back emotions about 2023? Like we see what we have at quarterback coming back, but like how, you know, what is the real flow there when it comes to Lane Kiffin's squad? So it's, it's not a good situation. Just, but I think, I think a lot of it has to do to, you know, with the flirtation that, that, that Kiffin had with Auburn. I mean, let's be honest, you know, and then you go out and, the way that you lost games to end the year, the way that you showed up in a bowl game. I, I just feel like right now there is a lot of mending of fences that has to be done for everyone to be on the same page in Oxford. And, and then they got to start that off now and soon. Trey, I mean, I know that he just signed the extension, but losing what five of the last six, the recruiting class did not go very well for them either. The schedule, no. the bowl game did not go well. The schedule next year is harder. What I mean, if things, if they go six and six, or maybe like disaster five and seven, like what are they gonna do? I, 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 I don't think you know they're not gonna get rid of Lane, but there's going to be people sitting there and saying, "Well, wait a minute, this guy was almost out the door to Auburn." Last year, and I'm talking about this year, but I'm speaking, you know, in the future. Um, and why are we in this situation now with everything that we're doing when it comes to NIL, when it comes to getting the right players on the roster from the transfer portal, having a quarterback that we think is the future? You know, why are we in this spot? Like, we're, you know, if we're paying, you know, I wrote about this last week, and if, you, if you're paying Lane Kiffin, Ryan Day money, you expect some type of results that I don't want to say resemble Ohio State and you're 12 and one and you're going into the playoffs. But here's the kicker Lane Kiffin has got to get this team ready for when this playoff expansion happens. Because if Ole Miss is not in the conversation for a 12 team playoff, then that's when you know things have gone south real quick. So next year is going to be very, very key 
for the Rebels, if, if they're going to do anything when it comes to the playoffs starting, um, you just don't want to be that middle-of-the-road SEC pack, and you guys know that. Trey Wallace, who covers the SEC for OutKick, he joins us every week here on On the Line. You bring up the college football playoff. Let's talk about that a little bit. Of course, we saw two historic performances uh, between TCU, Michigan, and then Georgia and Ohio State. When you thought one game couldn't get better than the other, uh, they pretty much said, hold my beer and let's try it. And uh, they both games were just phenomenal, but we'll stick with the SEC team, of course, Georgia and Ohio State. This was a game where Ohio State, in my opinion, whooped Georgia for four quarters and Georgia just happened to win at the end of course they did a lot of good things but Georgia even even Kirby Smart said they may not have deserved to win but they did your thoughts on Georgia's performance in the semifinal and that was absolutely beautiful that game was just fun that game the if you're a college football fan I don't care if you're an SEC fan or a Big Ten fan or a Mac fan you sit back and you watch that game you're like wow that just happened um I was sitting I you know I had to attend a wedding Saturday night, and I'm sitting there, and I've got it on my phone. I'm, I'm watching four quarters of football while there's a wedding going on, and I can't take my darn eyes away from it. I mean, it, it was nuts. And and look, Georgia, Kirby Smart, Stetson Bennett. Did Stetson Bennett play his best game? No. But when he got the ball at the end of that game, you see how calm, cool, collected he is, uh, led his team down the field. You know, they score, they go up. Okay, the defense has got to hold. They do a good enough job of, you know, forcing a a play where Ohio State's got to, you know, settle for a 50-some-odd yard field goal. I I just thought this is a football team that maybe showed a crack or two on Saturday against Ohio State, Mm -hmm. but was also able to, like, put super glue on that bad boy and be like, okay, we're going to go out. We're going to win this game at the end because Ohio State gave them everything and more. Um, and Ohio State was a good football team on Saturday night. In the end, it didn't come up their way. But Georgia just continues to find ways to win, guys. And you have to give credit to the defense. You got to get credit to the offensive line. And man, I just a lot of people are turned off by Stetson Bennett uh, for some reason. I, I don't. I don't get it. Maybe it's because he plays for Georgia. And you think he's a little cocky when he's out there on the field. But man, that, that guy has ice water in his veins. And for him to be able to do what he has done, it sets up a great game, I think, next Monday with TCU. And, and let's not forget a little nugget about Stetson Bennett. You guys remember back in 2017 when Georgia played in that Rose Bowl game against Oklahoma that was an all time classic. Let's not forget Stetson Bennett was the scout team quarterback playing Baker Mayfield in practice. So talk about a crazy story making full circle, and this will be coming out tomorrow. Stetson Bennett's on a scout team in 2017, leading Georgia out in L.A. Now in 2023, six years later, he's going to get the opportunity to lead his team to another national championship in the same city. You just can't write some of this stuff, man. So I guess as we talk about Monday, the national championship, how do you see that – shaking out uh, because, look, I mean, this Georgia team is really, really good. And I, and I personally thought Ohio State kind of gave them the, the most difficult matchup. How do you see this playing out between Georgia and TCU? I love TCU. I, I, I have enjoyed watching them this year. I think Max Duggan is a baller. Um, I think he's a kid that, you know, puts his helmet down or try to run over a linebacker if he can. He's got a hell of an arm. 
Um, my worry for TCU is if they don't have starting running back Conjure Miller. Mm-hmm. Uh, if his ankle is still bothering him and they can't run him on Monday night, boy, oh boy, there, there's going to be trouble, I think, for the, for the Horned Frogs. Now, let me say that. Let's say this. TCU has found ways to win games this season that none of us would have probably expected they'd pulled out at the end. Um, beating Michigan, that is not their moment. And I mean that by saying they played for it all season long to get to that point, to be able to beat Michigan and to play Michigan. But you can tell with this team that, okay, we beat the Wolverines. Now let's turn the focus. Let's get ready for Georgia. They're not getting caught up in the moment. Like, they didn't come out on on, on Saturday. And I never felt like, in watching that game, that the moment was too big for them. So I look at Monday night. And I think, man, this underdog story is going to continue on. I I think that they're going to play with Georgia, um, you know, for four quarters. But I think Georgia is going to separate themselves there at the end a little bit, you know, maybe win by uh, two touchdowns. Maybe add something late, you know, it's a two touchdown kind of win. I I don't, as many people are going to say, ah, you know, Georgia is a 13 half point favorite. We think they win by probably, you know, three touchdowns and it's a blowout, definitely taking the spread. I think the line kind of fits the game perfectly, but I could see TCU, who is just a a rugged type of team, just hanging in there, guys. I'm really looking forward to the matchup, and and I hope it's not a blowout in the first half. I really don't. I'm right there with you. Hopefully this is a game through four quarters on Monday night between Georgia and TCU. Trey Wallace, who covers the SEC for Outkick, he joins us every week here on the show. Uh, One more thing before we let you get out of here. Some news from around the SEC in football. Jimbo Fisher in Texas A&M. We know that he is, uh, as Trey starts laughing at me, Jimbo's on the hot seat. There's no doubt about it. What could possibly go wrong with this? Right. And everybody knows he needs a little bit of help calling plays on the offensive side of the football. So he goes after the non-betting favorite Bobby Petrino as the offensive coordinator. Trey, where in the world did this come from? He didn't need that much damn help. I'm sorry. (laughs) Bobby Petrino. Oh, no. And the funny part is about this whole situation is Texas A&M and Bobby were talking the first week of December. You know, so what turned out to happen is Jimbo went and interviewed other candidates. Well, those other candidates didn't want the job at Texas A&M. Okay, so then what does he do? Well, Bobby Petrino had already accepted the offensive coordinator job with Barry Odom, former Missouri coach who folks are going to know, at UNLV. Mm-hmm. So he's been out in Vegas, you know, hitting the craps table up and having a good time, getting the offense ready for 2023. Jimbo calls him back, hey, man, you want the job? And it's like, well, wait a minute. Okay, uh, this wasn't the conversation we had a month ago. But, okay, yeah, let me get back in the SEC. I'll take it. So just, you know, he gets out to Vegas, screws over Barry Odom. He already screwed <laughs> over Missouri State. So he screws over two teams on his way to College Station. You know what? It is a match made in heaven. Good luck, Jimbo Fisher. I I, I am excited to see how long this lasts between letting Bobby Petrino run that offense in College Station because, you know, we know he's a genius offensively. He is. But that's a staff now with Jimbo Fisher, DJ Durkin, and Bobby Petrino. What could go wrong, guys? Yeah, I I mean, it feels like – I mean, it's kind of like when you play with fireworks. It's all fun and games until that thing blows up in your hand and all of a sudden you you lose a hand or you lose some fingers. That It just feels like uh, 
an explosive combination that has a chance to be really fun for a little bit, but at some point that's just going to turn really, really south. Yeah, I do. We'll see. This is a massive year for Jimbo Fisher. He knew he had to get it right. I don't think Bobby Petrino coming in is going to add any gears, you know, to to, uh, what's the right word for it, to the the rope that he has right now at Texas A&M and those boosters. He better come out next year and win 10 games. So, it doesn't matter if Bobby Petrino's on the sidelines or not. They have to do something in 2023. So it's like he's throwing a Hail Mary right now and bringing in Petrino. We'll see how this lasts. And uh, just let's just hope Bobby stays off the motorcycles and we're good. Well, we know that Jimbo is questionable when it comes to play calling, and it seems like he may be a little questionable when it comes to calling his next coaches. But we'll see how it goes in College Station. Trey Wallace, he covers the SEC for Outkick again. Normally joins us on Tuesdays. He's joining us here today on Wednesday. Man, we appreciate you as always joining us. You always have such great insights. Let everybody know where they can keep up with you and all your fantastic work. Guys, I appreciate it so much. I love it. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at Trey Wallace underscore uh, follow all my work at outkick.com podcast to be dropping tonight. Got Josh Pate joining in on the fun and nice. we'll have coverage from Los Angeles for the rest of the week. I'll be heading out there tomorrow uh, for the playoffs, but guys love coming on with you guys. Happy new year to you. I look forward to talking. Happy next new week year. And, and maybe we're talking about an upset in the college football championship. Maybe so, man. Happy new year. Safe travels out to California. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. That is Trey Wallace. Again, he covers the SEC for OutKick. Uh, he, he does articles and podcasts, all kinds of stuff. Having Josh Pate on tonight, that's big time right there. So be sure you go listen to that. Read his work. He does great stuff over at OutKick.com. we got to get to our final break. We'll come back, wrap up the Wednesday edition of On the Line here on the other side. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Wrapping up the Wednesday edition of On the Line, Jacob Go with Carter Bird with you on ESPN 1067. Big thank you to Trey Wallace. Again, he normally joins us on Tuesdays. I had a couple things come up yesterday, so uh, we were able to get him on today. So big thank you to him coming on. Always has some great things to say. Uh, got a little fired up about Texas A&M news a little bit with Jimbo hiring Bobby Petrino, funny. which is hilarious, I think. I love funny. it. Because... I'm right there with him, and, and I think everybody is on that same page. It's, it's like very dysfunctional. Jimbo needs help. Staff. We know that. Jimbo Fisher needs help. He needs somebody to come in and call plays who is a good hire that's going to get it done. And out of all the names in college football, out of all the names in football, he goes with Bobby Petrino. That's yeah. not even out of left field. That's out of the top of the bleachers. Some dude sitting there eating a hot dog, and he said, hey, I need you. And he went and got him. And... Will it work? Maybe. I don't know. We're going to find out. It. I, I would love to hear what Texas A&M fans are, are saying right now. I haven't read anything into it about what the fans are saying, but I doubt there's a whole lot of excitement going on at College Station. Yeah. Um, I'm, I almost want to find a way to get a Texas A&M person on the show just to be like, hey, what's the vibes with this? And that's the only question we ask. That's yeah. it. Just hey, how is how is the yeah? What's the vibes right now in College Station? And he answers 
bam. That's the it. Fact, That's all we need to know. The fact that Trey dropped a see if you can keep Bobby away from any <laughs> motorcycles was about the funniest line. Oh, had. but I would but expect nothing less from have, him. Have had. That was I great. would expect nothing less from Trey Wallace. He is awesome. We appreciate him coming on. Again, go find his work at outkick.com. He joins us on Tuesdays. We had him on today, though. Also, we had Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 on today uh, talking all things Georgia athletics. Of course, Auburn basketball plays Georgia tonight. We talked a lot about that with him. So if you missed that, we talked Auburn recruiting, some college basketball, Auburn basketball. It's been a great show today. If you missed any of it, be sure to go and find the podcast, ESPNAU.com, or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. But Carter, prediction real quick for tonight. Auburn plays Georgia on the road, 530 SEC Network, favored by 7.5. Does Auburn win? Oh yeah, I think I think Auburn wins. I think Auburn plays a very solid game. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna get a little more I guess bold here. I'm gonna say Auburn Auburn gets a 15 point victory on the road. I'm gonna take Auburn with the points and the over. I don't like Auburn totals because Auburn is just not good offensively most of the time. But it's only 136, and you know what? I'm going to take Auburn with the points in the over 136. I'll go 78-63, Auburn. 78-63. Okay. I'm going to go Auburn. I'm going to go Auburn 81. Hmm. Auburn 81, Georgia 65. That's my that's my guess. I don't know if that's even the total or not, but it should be. Okay. 81-65, final you're, score. You're not very far off mine. No. That's all right, though. Come back tomorrow. We'll talk about Auburn, Georgia. We'll talk more Auburn football and all things SEC. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.